0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Locked On Indians. This is Jeff Ellis, your host from over at 24-7 Sports. We had some stories break after the podcast uh, at the end of last week, some more things to talk about, signings, trades, Indians even made a minor transaction and by that I mean the minorest of transactions. The Indians uh, announced the addition of Bo Taylor. he is a minor league contract catcher someone they can drop in AAA to split some time with Eric haas down there and give them another guy who has some major league experience he has appeared in a total of uh, what is it 18 games, 36 played appearances the last two years. as I said, it's about as minor as they come. He is their fourth catcher. Indians like Dev catching depth. Bo Taylor is the guy they added. So let's dig into the trade that happened. Big trade that was announced uh, not long after I recorded the podcast uh, on Thursday was the Padres making another deal. Um, They've been quite active this offseason and they're getting together with Tampa on this one. The Padres get the best player in the deal, Tommy Pham, who I still cannot make heads or tails of why the Cardinals gave him away a few years ago. When he was traded by the Cardinals, that is easily one of the worst trades of the last ten years. Like they didn't get much; they sold at a low point. Um, a few years later, they'd go out and trade prospect value to add Marcelo Zuna, who's not as good as Tommy Pham. They it was just nonsensical on multiple levels. Like uh, Cardinals fans are still upset about giving away Tommy Pham, and they have a right to still be upset. It, it's a trade that made no sense at any point. He had some good years with the Rays, but he is, I believe, just uh, a year and a half away from free agency, or I should say two years away. We're not in the middle of a season. And, uh, you know, the Rays are always cognizant of such things. So they know that here's a guy who you have for 2020 and 2021, and he's going to turn 32 in March. So they're selling high. In exchange, they had Hunter Renfro. Now, Hunter Renfro had a really good first half. And I, I mean that. He had an excellent, excellent first half. And then he dealt with injuries um, and really went in the tank in the second half. If you just look at his splits, he was a potential all-star in the first half. And that's not even talking about it. All of a sudden, like, he's always had excellent tools. I was a huge fan of him in college. And that was the interesting story about Hunter Renfro. It was always like, this guy has five tools. He has five-tool ability. He's been, he played some catcher when he started his college career, moved to outfield, had that strong arm at either position could run could hit could hit for power you know it was all there and then finally as a junior he put it all together and played his way into an early first round pick i thought he was one of the top 10 talents in that draft class and then it took him a while again in the minors to figure it out and get to the majors but at this point here's uh you know he's been productive and because of the way his service time has been uh even though he's got three full seasons uh, he's still got he won't be a free agent for another four years like he is um he's a long way away from free agency it's almost odd how far away he is when I was I talk about some other guys later in the show but guys like Mitch Hanger um I'm trying to think of who the other player was that I was looking up today outside of Mitch Hanger but uh you know it's like Mitch Hanger is very close to free agency and he has not logged half as many games as um okay so total games played for his career at this point for um hunter renfro he's got a 390 mitch hanger has uh total games played for his career 350 so but mitch hanger is going to be a free agent in uh 2022 and hunter renfro won't be until 2024 just because it's a matter of like being on the disabled list not being on the disabled list things like that but uh, yeah, Renfro defensively seemed to put together last year. He's always had that strong arm, but he posted awesome defensive metrics. So that was kind of the sell point on him. But he's also shown a lot of power in a not power friendly environment. And again, you know, he needed surgery at the end of the year on his heel. He his his splits. You, I have to talk about them. Like I have to give you the exact stuff because. It's pretty crazy just to look at the pure splits between these two guys, between these two guys, between his first and second half. So his first half he was a two fifty two, three oh eight, six thirteen. Second half one sixty one, two sixty three, two ninety nine, five sixty two. His slugging percentage in the first half was higher than his OPS in the second half, and it was just nagging injury after nagging injury after nagging injury. So if you're the Rays, you're getting a guy who has you know, 35 to 40 home run potential plus defense potential, uh, always going to have low on base percentage skills. That's just part of the, the, the package you're going to have to deal with. Tommy Pham is the superior player, but you could convince me that four years of Renfro is more valuable than two years of Pham. That is very easy to convince me of. Um, it does feel like the Padres sold at a low point for Renfro. Uh, so I think it's, it's a good get by the Rays buying low, And selling high. I mean, they bought Pham at a low and then sold him. And then because I mean, like I said, Tommy Pham is the best player in this deal. The the secondary pieces are what really make me love this for the Rays. I'm a huge, huge fan of Xavier Edwards. That should be no surprise if you followed my work over the years. I loved him as a draft prospect. I've continued to love his production in the minors. Yes, there is no power in his game. And I'm fine with that because he walks at a high rate he does not strike out much he gets on base um always been young for the level and still produced uh hitting well at higher levels uh you know I know some people I trust in the San Diego uh who write about the Padres say he's a second base only prospect I still think there's a chance at shortstop and I really think you know like center field could be his best position I do think that it's something you can try him at. But at the fact that the age of nineteen he's already in high A in his, you know, second season in the minors, I like Xavier Edwards. He does have his limitations. There is no power and there likely never really will be. Um, there are some questions about his position, but he's an on base machine who has excelled as one of the youngest guys at his level consistently, so I love that addition. Jake Cronworth, who is the player the young guy Going from uh, Tampa to San Diego, he pitched a little in the minors. I think his pitching ability has gotten a little overblown. Um, I'm not exactly. I'm not saying that he can't be a, a nice, you know, like guy who pitches a few innings for you here or there, especially if your bullpen's been taxed. But I don't think he's going to be one of those like two way, like dynamite players. I, I don't trust that. And then he's one of those guys who really seemed to benefit from the whatever happened to the baseballs in triple a he's one of those guys who out of nowhere had a season on like anything he had ever done in the minors basically since his college days where you're talking about a guy who was like a counting last year his career minor league average was 283 and he hit 330 last year um the year before that he hit 250 the year before that 274 so just out of nowhere his uh is on base spiked to slugging Slugging percentage is a career three ninety four. It was five eleven last year, so I don't know. It's it's do you just sit back and go, Well, he got the triple A and that ball just juiced both in the minors and the majors. I, I mean, let's put it this way. I don't want to seem like I'm really down on him. He's an interesting player. He can play be a utility infielder infielder for you who's also an emergency pitcher. There's value in being a fringy guy like that. It's like when the Indians um I'm blanking on the outfielder they drafted this past year. Um, The college outfielder, you know, you could, you've heard me talk about him. The idea was he's basically a fourth outfielder and like your second to last guy out of the pen. He doesn't do either thing great. And that's why he works as a two way player. That could be Cronworth. I don't think he's a utility guy and a, and you know, kind of a last end arm, but there's value again. I am projecting him as a major league talent. I just think Edwards is a potential, you know, table setter. Uh, just, he's not going to be necessarily a star because of the lack of power, but I, I, I view Xavier, Xavier Edwards as a future plus player, and I view Crumworth as a utility player. So that's the balancing act between those two, which, uh, to me, net value I would give to the, um, the Rays. But at the same time, if you are the Padres... Xavier Edwards is far away, and they got two pieces that can help this year. So you also have to look at that. There's always the valuation in who's helping you now, who is closer, who is more certain, and that is certainly uh, Jake Cronworth. He is a lot more certain. The Rays are also getting a player to be named later. We have no idea who that's going to be. You know, the Padres have a fantastic system, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get a fantastic player um, when they do the trade back, when they get that player to be named later. It could be any sort of level up and down their minors. We want to remind everyone out there, if you are a Spotify listener, to use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at LockedOnLive on on Twitter, and we will share and retweet that. Remember, that is Spotify Wrapped. Uh, Our sponsor is BlueChew.com. They're currently our only sponsor, so show them some love. If nothing else, go to their site, check it out, and see why they've been able to be our sponsor all season long and even into the off season. Um, there are a lot of people out there hawking mail enhancement. Obviously, this is a company doing something right that they can afford to consistently sponsor this podcast and the MLB network in general. Remember the promo deal we have with them is you go to bluechew.com, use the promo code locked on and you can try it for free. It's you're gonna pay the five bucks for shipping, so it is a five buck you're losing five bucks in the process, but you're getting their product for free, which is more than a five dollar value. If you've ever been curious about mail enhancement, if you've ever want to try mail enhancement, um, if you just want to support the show, go over to uh, bluechew.com, and right now it's the promo code locked on. Uh, so just yeah, bluechew.com. They've been fantastic to us. We would like to be fantastic to them. So we've talked about the Padres trade. We talked about the Indians minor move. Let's talk about the fact that Jordan Lyles signed with the Rangers. Now this made me giddy because Jordan Lyles and Lance Lynn have been connected in my mind for a very, very long time. Now, Jordan Lyles was a high school kid in the 2008 draft and Lance Lynn was a college pitcher in the 2008 draft, but Lynn and Lyles, and especially because, what, Lynn was the 39th pick and Lyles the 35th pick these two have been forever in my mind and they kind of debuted about the same time now Lance Lynn has been infinitely better um in terms of production but these two guys have always been together and now they're both Rangers and that's just going to make my life easier also I think it's very important to look at Jordan Lyles as a pitcher and realize the value of the Indians bullpen right now and not the bullpen the uh the Indian starter depth for his career Jordan Lyles has appeared in 245 games 143 starts And his career B-War is a negative 1.6. So he has a negative value. Last year, it was actually a positive 1.7. And that's what helped net his contract. He was excellent down the the stretch for Milwaukee, much like Drew Pomeranz. uh, Jordan Lyles probably owes the Brewers a cut of his uh, salary because both guys showed up there, seemed to find another gear, and then parlayed that into a pretty good payday. Uh... Lyles was chased by a lot of teams when you look at the reports for it's the Twins the White Sox the Brewers were still in on him uh before signing with Texas that's Texas's second free agent signing with Kyle Gibson being the first and Lyles for a guy who for most of his career has not been effective you go back to that fact he carries a negative war for nearly 300 games pitch he got two years 16 million so Pineda got two years 20 million who's younger and has a better track record but as we're seeing, um, there's just less options. You've got less players you can rely on, and the starting pitching market is very, very sparse, and teams are going to start to get a little more desperate here. Now, I know we still have our top-end arms, and we can talk about the reports. Yeah, the Yankees are going to offer the moon to Garrett Cole, and we'll see um, all of that south will report it as it happens. But it's as teams kind of chase the, two, the big two, this lesser, the you know, kind of the guys in the six to 12 range are just getting um, taken off the market left and right. Uh, Diving a little more into Lyles, I mentioned his time with the Brewers. Once he came over there, 2.45 ERA, 8.6 strikeouts per nine, 3.4 walk per nine, 1.4 home run per nine. And this is where it shows that it's a little bit unsustainable. A 6.6 hit per nine, her guy's career hit per nine is a nine point eight. His home run rate, his strikeout rate were about the, the same. His or I'm sorry, his walk rate. His strikeout rate was high for his career, but the last two years, his strikeout rate has definitely seen a bit of a jump in general. Uh, it, but he's pitched all over though: uh, San Diego, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee. Um, you know, they went and got him back. He's because he has been so up and down in terms of effectiveness. He's just been one of those guys who. Never has been able to stick anywhere very long, and this two years will uh, arguably give him his first security in a long, long time. So Lyles, yeah, it's it's interesting. Well, it's interesting for me with the <laughs> Lyles Lane finally being together in one spot. Uh, it's interesting because he's a guy who largely has not been good, but still got sixteen million guaranteed, and then it's interesting because the pitching market gets weaker and weaker. And there was five to six teams chasing Lyles. At this point, the Texas Rangers don't really need pitching. Um, Let's go ahead and just transition over to talking about the Texas Rangers at this point, because they're one of those teams uh, out there in the AL West, one of those teams we should talk about. Now, uh, the Indians and Rangers make pretty terrible trade partners. Let's just put that on front street. The Rangers' uh, rotation is kind of a bit set now. You know, Mike Miner was really uh, good in the first half a year ago, Treadoff off in the second half. Lance Lynn had a fantastic season, kind of a bit out of nowhere. Uh, they went out and they've spent money now on Kyle Gibson and Jordan Lyles, and then they made that trade with Chris Martin to the, uh, the Braves to get Kobe Allard, and he's kind of currently slotted in to be the fifth guy. Their bullpen, uh, Jose Leclerc, is one of those guys they locked up. He started out with some issues, but got it together. Emmanuel Chase and Rafael Montero were both pretty solid for them in the second half. Uh, the bullpen could still use some work. Someone like Jesse Chavez, who's kind of bounced around forever, is there. You know, they added Nick Goody after the Indians let him go. And in terms of their lineup, uh, it's a pretty interesting lineup for the most part. Uh, you do have some of those old names. Like Shin Choo, Choo is at he's 37 just to make you feel a bit old. And I believe he is finally in the last year of that terrible contract of his. Um, Elvis Andrusis has been there forever. Joey Gallo. Danny Santana played really well last year, kind of earning that spot at third base. Willie Calhoun finally looked like that top prospect in the second half that um, made him the centerpiece in the Darvish deal. Nick Solak has bounced around, but I, I'm a big belie- believer in his bat. Ruffin doer. Don't know what to make of him. It's, it's, it's. You want know, to talk about like all power, no on base skills. I mean, he is like the the Renfro to the extreme. And then Jose Trevino was all right as a catcher. I mean, at it, it, the end of the day, if you can survive as a catcher, you're all right back there. The guy I skipped over is Nomar Mazara. and he's someone that will occasionally, I'm sure. Um, be connected with the indians because he's relatively young and he could be a player that gets fixed and he's this former top prospect and um, he's been linked to a lot of teams as a trade candidate but here's the big problem nomar mazara has never been good in the majors he has never been anything other than slightly below average he's not a good defender he's not good on offense he's not good at running the bases he doesn't bring a single net positive skill He doesn't strike out too much. He doesn't walk enough. He doesn't hit for enough power to be effective. He just doesn't do enough. And he's going to be in line for a nice little bump in arbitration because he's entering the final year of arbitration. He made 3.3 a year ago. And the way of arbitration is you almost always go up unless you missed the season for some reason. And then he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. So, Nomar Mazzara really has no trade value. Like, why would a team want to get a guy... He's like the anti-Mookie Betts. Yeah, Mookie Betts is entering free agency as well, but he's also a potential MVP every year. Nomar Mazara is entering his final year, but he's been a below average performer in every facet of the game. So Nomar Mazara's name I see come up pretty consistently. And I mean, I loved him as a prospect. I, I'm sure you can find an old tweet where I talked about, you know, yeah, I would trade just about anyone for uh, him. Just in terms of what he did in the minors, I thought he was going to be a star. I really did, but... I also think it's very fair to point out at this point, Texas does not draft nor develop well. Their minor leagues are up there with Seattle in terms of the worst in or Seattle, up there with Milwaukee for the worst in baseball. Um, they've had a lot of high picks and almost none of them have worked out. A lot of guys they draft or sign for a lot of money. Um, it never comes together. And even some of their top prospects that leave the system when they traded away don't work out in other places like Texas is just there's something going on there in terms of development where I would not if if I had a kid I wouldn't want him drafted by the Rangers like I would I'm honestly to that point where it's like almost concerning that safe talent doesn't develop properly there I mean since you go through this whole team here who is drafted to develop for them it's Joey Gallo but is it anyone else it's no one in that pitching staff it's no one in this lineup was a draft and develop outside of Gallo and Mazzara. Um, yeah, I mean, they're almost nothing here is draft and develop. I mean, Odour, if you... I'm just not huge on him, but I guess you can count Odour, Gallo, Mazzara, Trevino, the catcher, and then the pitching staff, Leclerc is about it. So, yeah, they just... Uh, It's one of the worst minors in baseball, and they've had a lot of high picks in that time. And a lot of them uh, have not necessarily worked out. They've not developed guys well. They spend a lot of money internationally. There was a point, you know, when they were kind of riding high in a playoff team um, in consecutive years where they did a really good job internationally, and they had big money to spend, and they're doing everything right. But essentially what brought them down was that lack of draft and development. And that's kind of where Texas is. That is their their Achilles heel at this point is they can't draft or develop anyone. That's why they're going out and signing pitchers in free agency. That's why they're signing a lot of these non-claiming uh, and adding guys who are non-tendered. You go through their, you know, Nick Solick, I was looking at their fan graph system from last year, was considered their number one prospect. He's their third organization. Uh, he started with the Yankees to the Rays to Texas. Josh Jung, who was a top 10 pick, but viewed as an overdraft a year ago um shirt uh apostol who's a um i believe a you know high ceiling player Leodi Tavares, who's been around forever and is just in double a and was once considered a top 20 you know Tavares, louis brinson these guys always concern me where it's like tools over production or you know they're very young for their level and yes young for level is a great indicator but i think smart teams can also push guys up levels make them young for the level to inflate that value I really like Bubba Thompson and Cole Wynn back in the day, and they're kind of down there Hans Kraus I mean, I was not as high on him, but this time a year ago, people were talking about him as a top one hundred prospect uh and then you know he got up to to a ball this year and he he wasn't missing bats like he did in low and that's the other thing it's like inflation of guys who um who perform well in short season baseball is. I'm very quickly learning to doubt short season stats. Um, I, I give no value to Arizona league stats, but starting to feel like we should feel that way for uh, short season stats as well, that there's such a variance in outcome. So Texas Rangers, Cleveland Indians. Yeah. No, I don't see anything that makes sense. The Rangers don't have the pieces cause they don't have depth and their minors are trash. Um, they have some interesting players. I'm not saying that in terms of the players. I would never insult the players themselves. But there's something wrong with the Texas Rangers draft and development cycle. So that is a, a big concern for me from that perspective. But the Rangers as a team, uh, they don't have anything the Indians would want. And they've gone out and paid money for pitching. So they don't really have a need in the one area the Indians really have a depth. So the Indians and Rangers, I mean... I think they're one of the two teams that make the least amount of sense to match up on a trade. So I, so you should probably expect one to happen in the next 24 hours. Cause I, I went out and made a, such a, uh, a, sturdy claim on that, that there's almost no way that uh, they won't prove me wrong. But yeah, I think the Rangers are, uh, they, they were an up and down team a year ago and I don't really see a lot of sign of improvement. I, I don't see them jumping forward at all compared to uh, last year, even with some of these signings. Um, they could improve but I I still think they're kind of more of a a mid team in the American League I want to thank you for listening I want to thank everyone for rating and reviewing that is huge for the show Uh, again just thank you for everything you do as a fan base and as always go tribe